1: Hello again and welcome to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy. I'm your host, certified sex therapist Lori Watson, author of Wanting Sex Again and blogger at Psychology Today and WebMD, and I have with me Dr. Adam Matthews, my co-host, who's a couples therapist, psychotherapist, and president of NCAMFT. Foreplay is dedicated to helping couples keep it hot. Thanks for listening. Now on to today's topic.
0: All right, we are talking about modern life how exhausting it is and how uh, we get too
1: tired for sex
0: yes but how we need it because it's more refreshing and we both we spent the weekend Lori. Yes. I, yesterday was the first day in like five days that i hadn't seen you and um <laughs> you I mean, miss me <laughs> i i did i mean Aww. i did it was it was fun we were at a training for right. emotionally focused therapy uh, and it
1: was awesome it
0: was amazing
1: yeah, we uh, want to thank everybody there. Lori, um, Heika, yeah, James, who's in North Carolina. Yeah, lots of I people. I mean, my, yeah, he was my group leader. He was awesome.
0: Yeah, and it was emotional. I mean, it was emotionally focused therapy, yeah. but it was emotional. It was emotional, emotional for yeah. us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
1: because they really identified, you know, essentially emotionally focused therapy is attachment theory that's developed for couples therapy, and it's a very present interactive method, which I, I found so powerful. I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. I am going to revamp the way I do therapy. Seriously. Oh yeah. I, I just thought it was so much more powerful than what I'm doing. I'm really excited yeah. about it.
0: But as the kids say, we were in our feels the whole weekend.
1: <laughs> we were in we our were, feels we we were in our, weekend. We
0: were, we were in the feels. Lots yeah. of the <laughs> the feelings. Yeah. Uh, because um, I mean,
1: it brought up so much stuff. I mean, there, I, I just... Oh, yeah. I saw myself. I gotta say, I came home and I like grabbed my husband, sat on the couch right next to him, and I'm like, "We are gonna be even more deeply attached." Uh-huh. <laughs> That's nice.
0: I just wanted to be by myself. Oh, <laughs> when I got mm-hmm. home, I said hi to my wife and, and kids, and it was like, "I need, I need some time to let all the emotional uh, stuff, you know, stuff settle." Well, it,
1: it was really, I mean, emotional. I, I agree.
0: But it was exhausting, right? That was, and that was yes. just one part. And we both are busy people. We both yeah. have lots going on. And we know that everybody does, really. Um, and that can really drive disconnection, right? And right? make it, it feels like, because you get home at the end of the day and you're like, do I have the energy to actually uh, connect? Do I have the actual energy to engage in sex, right? Because yeah. it takes energy. Um, and it just, it feels like, Modern life with its fast pace Mm -hmm. um, can really just drive that disconnection.
1: Right. And I I just wanted to give a story of um, a woman I know. Her name is Andrea. Of course, we never use real names here. But, you know, she has uh, one child whose name is Carson, and she's married to Eric. And she gets up at 6 in the morning, which to me is an ungodly hour. I'm not a morning person. And she starts her shower, and usually her son, who is about – five or six is up before she's out of the shower. So he's hungry. He demands attention. So, you know, before she's really ready at 630, he's awake. And so she's scrambling to get dressed to go to work. Um, He's needing something from her. And so she feeds him breakfast and he's kind of a pokey child, you know, so he's not very independent and doesn't get ready by himself quickly So she has to kind of scoot him along into the morning routine. You know, she's trying to get the house in order before she leaves. She makes the beds, um, stuff like that. Her husband is now awake taking his shower because he needs to be out the door, actually even before she does. Um, So it's her role to drop their son at school. And so by 7.45, she's out the door with her son. She forgot to put dinner Uh. in the crockpot because... You know, it's just so freaking busy in the morning.
0: Yeah, and it's it's not even 8 a.m. yet, and I'm already just listening to you describe it. I'm exhausted.
1: Yeah, well, I'm sure this is very familiar for you guys with your three. You know, so she's in traffic, anxious about getting to work on time. By 8.15, she arrives at work. She works all day, you know, in a stressful job. And then at 5.30, which is, you know, she usually tries to leave a little bit, you know, around then – Her boss, you know, says, I need this deadline. I I need you to finish this tonight. And so she calls her husband, Eric, and says, hey, can you go get Carson? Because this means, you know, they need to pick him up after school in after school care. And her husband says, I can't do it. I've got this going on. So she's like, okay, what am I going to do? Feels more stressed. Calls her neighbor and says, Hey, you know, could you get Carson just one more time and bring him over to play? But she feels guilty about this because she feels like she's always calling on her neighbor to get her son when she and her husband can't, you know, when work gets in the way and she she's like, I don't know how I'm gonna repay this woman. I don't have any time or energy to repay her. And then they get home at about seven and now her son isn't hungry because he kinda snacked on Ritz Crackers at the neighbor's house. Mm-hmm. You uh, and me both,
0: Carson. You yeah. and me
1: both. <laughs> yeah. 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 Adam likes crackers. I found that out this weekend. Uh, no, they Specifically us- Ritz crackers. Oh, yeah. Ritz. Yum. So Andrea is starving and there's nothing prepared. Um, she parks Carson on his iPad and he's happy to do that. But she's not talking to him or really connecting with him because she's trying to get dinner together. There's nothing in the refrigerator. It's Thursday. They don't go shopping until Saturday. Uh, So she's like, okay, I can throw together scrambled eggs and bacon. And as she does it, she feels guilty because she's like, you know, I haven't eaten a green vegetable in I don't know how many days. Her husband gets home. They wolf down their eggs while they're both looking at their phones, trying to catch up on the things that they need to, the, the last minute details from both of their respective work. And then they basically turn to Carson to put him to bed. Uh, and they're good parents. You know, they do everything. They do the bath time, the stories. They both help. Um, they pick out an outfit for him tomorrow. And then about um, 8.45, their son says, you know, I'm hungry. I don't want to go to bed. I need something to eat. So they're scrambling, trying to feed him something nutritious. But they've already put away and eaten the bag- eggs. <laughs> you know, and it's just this mad rush. And, and nothing is is how they imagined it was going to be with sort of family dinners and a slow reconnection time. So they, at nine o'clock, they've got him in bed. They come down, maybe have a glass of wine, Uh, but basically they just plop down and they're warned, slam out. Slam out. Slam out, you know, and maybe they talk for 20 minutes while they're cleaning up the kitchen. But there's this mail to go through. Uh, there's Carson's school papers to sign and think about. Uh, she starts to worry, oh, my gosh, I haven't got Carson in his summer camps. It's already May. You know, we're, we're running out of time, and it's not like she's not organized. or She just doesn't have any time to do this. Finally, her husband goes to bed, and he, when she comes up um, to see him, he's staring at his phone with his earbuds in. He's kind of smiling and laughing and she has no idea what's interesting to him or what you know he's thinking about um probably by ten twenty-five, she's getting ready for bed and sex is really the last thing on either of their minds um, and she debates about taking xanax to stop her mind from all the endless worry and the endless list of things that she's got to do because even though she's physically exhausted she's mentally wound up mm-hmm. and i just think I don't know how many times I have heard a similar story from young couples. I'm
0: ready for a nap. I mean, that is (laughs) just, that's just even just talking about it. You just feel the rush, the busyness, the overwhelm just coming through um, in all of that. Right. Right.
1: And, uh, you know, modern life is exhausting. I I would like to compare this for a minute to my great grandparents. Uh, My great grandparents were... Uh, immigrants. And they were in Minnesota. And they worked on a wheat farm. And they basically woke up with the sun. Uh, Their lives were governed by nature, by the needs of the animals that they had on their farm, the needs of the harvest. Their kids walked to school. And some of them, frankly, didn't even go to school. Uh, I mean, it was a different life, right? Um, But there were no magazines. There was no electronics, no movies. Newspapers came to town, and the news was often delayed from World War I by three weeks. You know, so they heard about a battle three weeks after it had happened. And you know, they were only compared to the average people in town, so when they were choosing mates, um actually well they were they were married by the time they got here but most people in that town they only compared themselves with the neighbors who were miles away you know mm-hmm. and when they gathered in town it wasn't like they were being comparing themselves to supermodels but they were comparing themselves to average other farmers who were working hard yeah you know but um,
0: only in their community they didn't get the social media no. Uh, boast that was comparing themselves to, to somebody, you know, five countries away.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, they stopped working with the sun. When the sun went down, it was time to come in. You know, it was time to sit by the fire and the light, you know, after dinner, perhaps. And there were books to read. There was, you know, maybe crocheting my grandmother crocheted and my great grandmother crocheted. And You know, maybe my great-grandfather did woodworking. I I don't really know that. But, I mean, there was very quiet activities. And, you know, maybe cuddling or huddling against the winter wind was, you know, kind of the order of the evening. And it was this really so differently paced than our modern crush. You know, even though we have appliances and things to help with our mundane work— I mean, there was something about this that was slower. And I think connection was survival. Yeah. I mean, they had to work together. Their children had to work with them to produce food on the table. There was a cohesion in the community that said, if I I don't work with my neighbors, I literally will starve. Because when there were problems, wildfires or the harvest or hailstorms, they needed to pitch in together as a community. So there was this sense of deep, comu- you know, community With without necessarily a lot of transplants. There wasn't, you know, people didn't go off and seek other jobs in other cities. There was a vision of, you know, I'm going right. to stay on the farm. Yeah, I, I just think you know, what a different world compared to our modern stressful world.
0: Yeah. Modern life is, is super overwhelming, right? And it's, we are overstressed, we're overscheduled, we're overstimulated. Um, There is a lot that is happening there that takes our, our attention. Uh, And we know the, we know the reasons that all those things, those, those stresses that are, that are coming up, just all those things that keep us, keep us moving at a fast pace that we feel like, is needed and that just keeps us from connecting with each other. The, the, that pace of life that you've contrasted well, um, mm-hmm. I think we can feel it, right? We feel what all that is happening. Um, and so maybe we want to offer some some ideas about how to combat that, how about yeah. how to combat that modern life and, and we what's don't happening. have to go
1: back to the farm. We, we can get respite right, right now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So let's come back after the break and we're going to give you some ways that we feel like you can combat that modern pace so that you can still Connect at the end of the day. So just a quick word about our couples intensives that both me and Lori offer. Oftentimes, healing in relationships, it just takes more than the average 50-minute session every week over several months of time. Couples' intensive therapy offers an alternative to that. What happens over a weekend, typically 12 to 16 hours, somewhere in there, that really helps to calm high-conflict situations, build more healthy patterns of communication, and really, it's a jumpstart to change, right, Lori? Like, it can be something that can really Catapult you into change a little bit quicker than the average once a week type of therapy situation.
1: I think so, and people ask me, what does it look like? What do you do? And usually for me, I do a three day itinerary. The first day is basically coming to, why did they come at this point in their relationship? What is their current functioning? And then often maybe that's a Friday night, Saturday morning, we start talking about what is the dynamic? Where's the toxic cycle? And then we look at their family of origin. And I would say by Saturday afternoon, that's the time that we start to really dig into how do you stop the toxic cycle. And maybe if the problem is over sexual difficulties, there's an assignment and a discussion about what that will be. And they usually complete that assignment in their hotel room all by themselves. You know, we don't do any of that, you know, supervision of that, but we then the next morning debrief that and talk about, you know, how the assignment went. There is often time at this point, because of the amount of hours that we've spent together to perhaps process one trauma from the past as well. So, you know, it's a really intensive way of working. It's my favorite way to work and, you know, I'm reducing kind of my weekly caseload at this point. So this is where I'm directing my efforts in clinical work.
0: Right. You also get a post-intensive action plan to take home with you to follow up. We plan how you can continue this work for you, but we'd be happy to talk to you more about if you feel like an intensive is right for you, whether it'd be good to work with me or with Lori. So give us an email at info at com. So we know that modern life is overwhelming, that the hectic pace keeps us from connecting, but we know that connection actually can help with all of these things. So, Lori, let's let's maybe look at all these ways that we know that we are that modern life kind of drives some of that disconnection mm-hmm. and see if we can talk through how connection can really help there. The first thing that we really, you know, mentioned is that we are overstressed. Right? right? That's their stress, right. our cortisol levels are going through the roof. Yeah. Uh, most of the time. And we're not helping that because we try to address that that by caffeinating ourselves, right? We are, exactly. su- we are super over caffeinated. Exactly. So our adrenal gland is just pumping all the time, right? We have more hours demand for work. We're separated from our families more, lots of debt, lots of financial responsibilities. School debt. School debt is all over the place. So we know though that connection can really help with that, right? Right. Um, one of the things that we we got some really good info on at this training that we went for emotionally focused therapy is how much connection with a, another person, a secure connection can really help lower our cortisol levels. It can really even just that 20 second hug, right? Yeah. A, this was one of the things that I just found fascinating that a 20 second hug with another person has so many health benefits, Right. And really helps to and really does uh, it releases a bunch of endorphins in our head, really lowers our cortisol levels, so it lowers that stress that's going on um, inside of our body. And it, that just even that is something that can really help with this idea, this our stress levels. Right?
1: right. I mean, we learned essentially that being in proximity with our partner, even just being next to our partner, is is regulating. Our yes. bodies regulate, calm down. Our heart rate lowers. Our blood pressure lowers. Mm-hmm. When we're with the person that we feel love from and love for, when there's that connection, it, it de-stresses our body. And I, I just think about the couple in our example that they're, you know, they're at dinner together, but they're looking at their phones. They're right. not really connecting. Mm-hmm.
0: They're, they're allowing that stress to really be in between their relationship, Yeah. right? Allowing may be too strong a word. I know they're not consciously doing that, but that that stress is they, it's They feel like they have them. to do it. Yeah. You know, they, that's they, the stress. Absolutely. Um, they feel like it's a requirement for life, uh, but it is actually driving them further apart, which is stressing them out even further. That feeling of isolation, that feeling of aloneness, right? That jacks up stress as well, right? That in and of itself is a stressful position when I feel like I'm alone and separated from my partner.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think sex is so important to Mm de-stress because it actually releases oxytocin and that actually lowers cortisol and our stress hormones. You know, so, I, I mean, but we often don't think about sex as, as a way to do that because we're so exhausted at the end of the day. We're not getting there.
0: Yeah. Well, and then it just drives connection, right? Like it it, it lowers our stress and it that connection to each other is going to roll over into the next day. Exactly. Right. It's going to roll over into that next day where we're going to feel less stressed and that because we feel like we are connected to the other.
1: Yes, yeah, right. I, I think another modern life problem is we're overscheduled.
0: Oh my goodness, yes.
1: You know, a kid. You know, we're afraid our kids are not going to get ahead. I mean, people are stressing out ab- about what preschool the children are mm. going to get. Literally, yeah. I ha- I know a couple in New York who really, really, really worried about the preschool choice. You know, because this is the track. You know, mm-hmm. to get into the private school, to get into the best. You know, prep school, college. I mean, it's like preschool.
0: Yeah. But Lori, even when we like, we only allow our kids to do one thing at a time.
1: That's right? smart. It, but that's three kids but times it's three, three activities. Kids, but even
0: the activity, my oldest daughter, as she's progressing in ballet, they're, they require three nights a week now of practice. Right. Right. This week, the recital is coming up this week. Yeah. And let me tell you, every single night, we have, we have to be at ballet. They have to be there even before they're done. We have to check them out of school early on Thursday and Friday just so they can be at ballet on time to spend six hours prepping for their two performances that they have to do on Saturday. Yeah. Right. And so, like, even just, even if you limit it, if like it, it becomes, it, it, they become over scheduled. And I think there's to me, there is this idea of abundance versus scarcity, mm-hmm. right? That there's going to be a lack if we don't participate in everything uh-huh. versus, oh, yeah. versus feeling like there are an abundance mentality, which says there is plenty for everyone. Right. Right. And, and those two that it, to me, it's a shift in mindset and believing because then in that in doing that together, looking at that schedule together and having that mindset as a couple really changes things, I think, when you start to look at where you place your time and where your priorities are going.
1: I totally agree. And I mean, I think there's this pressure, right, to do it all, you know, to have dual careers, children involved in everything, be a good contributor to nonprofit charities, you know, your community, have a perfect body, Mm -hmm. have great nutrition, a rock and sucks life, you know, it's just this over-scheduling is problematic. You know, we we have to think about things in. maybe we can do these things, but they have to be done in sequence. You know, there's just, it's very hard to have everything all at once.
0: Or, it, it, yes, and we need to schedule the priorities first, right? right? If we schedule that connection time first, if we schedule the family dinners, if we schedule mm-hmm. the date nights, if we schedule um, sex, which I know lots of people push back on. But when we schedule those things, those opportunities for us just to be together, when we schedule our family vacations for the year first, yeah. but, or in our, our couple getaways first, right. right, then the other things fall tend to fall into place. But when we don't, it just drives that feeling and it drives disconnection, which adds to that feeling that the schedule is dominating our lives versus we are in control of that schedule and doing it together.
1: I agree. I totally agree. I think, you know, families are also overstimulated. Mm. There's just too much bad news. You know, w- looking at the news anywhere, w- we know the news in every country and in, in every neighborhood. Something is happening in the next town over, and we are emotionally, you know, involved in it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just impossible to take in all this information. There is more information than we can ever read, you know, view on a video there's just too much. And so we're overstimulated and we're over anxious. You know what, uh, there was a study done and this was like 15 years ago that 50% of the children in a small town in Iowa believed that they were at dire risk for being kidnapped.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: That's because the news and the media is pervasive. Mm. And so it, it increases our stress, not real even. But it increases our stress, and then I think just the distractibility, yeah. you know, of uh, the media, right? You know, spinning through the news, our email, our social media, you know, the demands of our twenty-four-seven job. I mean, it's very hard to focus, get things done, feel accomplished, and feel come to an end. Our, our distractions are unlimited, and so, you know, we come into family life with just this, you know, massive amount of distractions and stimulation and it's very hard to slow down and concentrate on relationship.
0: Yeah. And I think one of the things that we need to get our, our, our mind around is that boredom is not the enemy, right? That actually that creating space for to be bored actually has a lot of benefit and in fact, in, in moderation, it, it, if it's if we embrace it, researchers have found that it actually stimulates creativity. It stimulates the brain. It like helps us to recharge. And so, building in some time for that and being okay with that, so the silence, the boredom, no TV, you know, no electronics, um, actually is very beneficial to us. Um, to, it's very beneficial to kids, right? but it's also beneficial to us because it recharges us and allows us to have um, more things to talk about with each other, right? Because yes. it starts to stimulate our, it's, it's stimulating to our mind and rather than checking out, we're able to then engage with our partner. It's able to, we're able to have more lively conversations. It drives us to find things, more things to do together, right? I think about the idea of travel of when you actually just allow yourself to get lost and all the benefits that that, that that brings you stumble upon new things it, it just all it drives, there's just a lot of benefit to that downtime, to breaking away from the new cycle and the things that, the, the overstimulation that that brings.
1: And one of the things I think is important to get away from the overstimulation is be outside. You know, mm-hmm. just, okay, you don't have time for a walk. I would love it if you had time for a 15 minute walk, but go outside at night, take a deep breath, look up at the moon, the stars. One of the things I trained my kids to do was to find the first dogwood that bloomed, you know, be aware of the moon. My adult sons still often text me or Skype me and say, hey mom, have you seen the moon? You know, I mean, it's like that's a de-stressor. It takes a minute. You know, wherever you're listening to us, I'd like you to take a deep breath, like That, that's a de-stressor. Uh-huh. You know, just take one second. Take one minute to be still. You know, five seconds. That was five seconds. Just, just be still for five seconds. Like, let it all go. You know, and, and I think it's important for you to belong to a community. You know, to something bigger than yourself to belong to each other, you know, modern life is exhausting, and it often we're too tired for sex, but actually connection is the answer. It's the antidote to all this stress. I think the last thing I'd like to say is, you know, you don't have to keep up, and you are enough. You know, whatever you're doing, it's, it's enough. And I would just like to say that, you know, hopefully this sense of peace that you might be able to enter into allows you to connect with your partner and to reach out for your partner. And the last thing we would like to dedicate this episode to Rachel Held Evans, who is a was a voice of light and connection and peace in our communities. You can now call in your questions to the 4Play question voicemail. Dial 833-MY4PLAY. That's 833, the number 4, PLAY. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. Hey, help us stay on top here at 4Play. We'd love it if you would subscribe and share it with your friends. And please take one sec and rate and review us. Thanks so much. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor